0: Started off, that's your Tuesday on BA. Recapping a big baseball win for the Longhorns last night. Great environment. Great night for a ball game. They'll do it again tonight over at uh, the Dish. So good Major League Baseball night. NBA playoffs are here. And the Masters now in the rear view. Ty Harrington hanging out with us. Made the trip up from uh, New Braunfels this morning to join us. What'd you make of uh, John Rom? I tell you what. Sizzling to uh, the uh, championship yeah. for the green jacket.
1: You know, we were in between doing the Texas game on Sunday and trying to pay attention to the Masters as well. And um, i got to be honest we his his driving game sets up really well, obviously, for that course. If you go back and look at the, some of the history of the guys that have won the Masters before and they're able to work the ball from left to right – a power cut, or whatever you want to call it, when I mean by the power side of it, most people. I call it a slice for me. You, well, <laughs> well, a the power a, cut, a power, a power cut or a power fade. I mean, most, you know, what I mean by that is that they still get some tremendous distance, but they can control the ball from left to right. Tiger was able to do the same thing when in his heyday. He would, he played a big power fade at different times and or a cut like that. And I just, it's that low trajectory ball that he's able to to really control. I mean and, and obviously you know if you hit fairways you're going to have a better chance of of being able to score even though those greens are like putting on the your sidewalk in your front yard <laughs> and uh but you know to me the, he was able to control his emotions he'd be able to control the the driver and his putter and uh again i got I' see pieces at it on on sunday and and watch, went back to actually watched some of it on Saturday night but late but um it's always such an unbelievable golf tournament and people pay so much attention to it and uh as i did and craig wayne and i had it on at different times in between innings and half innings watching it just to kind of stay up with it it was good stuff you're right and we had the numbers
0: yesterday that uh his his uh, driving accuracy and greens hit uh 86 percent of fairways hit for the whole weekend the whole four rounds, 72 holes. You had 85% of your your fairways. You had 72% of the greens, which was the best ball striking weekend at Augusta since Ben Crenshaw back in the mid 90s. Jack Nicholas before 1986. He was uh, completely locked in. Uh, pretty darn impressive. John Rom back to the number one player in the world. Interesting that Roy McIlroy is pulling out of the RBC Heritage this weekend. That's a big development in golf. Uh, he may be punished as far as, I don't know what the punishment would be, but as far as that, the new. PGA moved to have more of the best players playing in the bigger tournaments. The selected tournaments and RBC Heritage is one of them the weekend after the Masters. Uh, Rory's uh, did not play well in Augusta, and he's he's not going to play this week. It doesn't look like, so we'll see what comes of that on the golf side of things. Let's get to the other headlines of the morning. We're going to dive into our Coach's Corner here coming up. Let's start with the news on a Tuesday. GBO Business Services brings it to you. You yeah, start with baseball. Longhorns, 19th-ranked team in the land, rode some clutch hitting and excellent pitching to a 5-2 win over Texas State last night. Raucous and record crowd in San Marcos. Almost 3,500 packed in uh, to the Bobcat Ballpark last night. They all saw Texas second baseman Jack O'Dowd line a two-out, two-run single, part of a three-run third inning for Texas. Then in the eighth inning, the freshman Jalen Flores Ripped a two-out double that scored a couple more. Right-hander Kobe, Kobe Minci made his first career start. Earned the win with three solid frames. Heston Toll, Chris Stewart, and Zane Morehouse all pitched in relief for a happy head coach, David Pierce.
1: We were out EK today, so that kind of gave him a reason. Kind of gave there, honestly. Uh, may, may rest a couple of guys tomorrow, or at least come off the bench again and utilize some guys. But um, we want to try to win the game, but also we've got to preserve some people as well.
0: Same two teams will score off again tonight, six thirty, this time at Dishfall Field, and you'll hear it right here on the horn, of course. Texas basketball, the complete reshaping of the Longhorn backcourt and really roster. Excuse me, continued yesterday with word that uh, freshman Arterio Morris is going to enter the transfer portal. Uh, former five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American from Dallas Kimball, averaged nearly five points a game last year and 12 minutes on the floor as a freshman. Meanwhile, fellow freshman Rowan Brumbaugh, who entered his name into the portal over the Easter weekend, announced his intention that he's transferring to Georgetown. Six-four freshman, Rosie from Northfield, Massachusetts, redshirted this past season for the Longhorns. Uh, big news from college football. Report from NFL Network originally that Lincoln Riley is going to hire. Texas Tech and or former Texas Tech and Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury is a senior offensive analyst at USC. According to the report, Kingsbury will work with the Trojans quarterbacks and specifically Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams. He'll also be involved in game planning and film study. Major League Baseball last night, good night for the Texas teams. Astros opened a three-game series in Pittsburgh with an 8-2 win. Jordan Alvarez had three hits, boosted his RBI total to a Major League leading 16. Kyle Tucker had two hits and drove in three. And Arlington, the Rangers routed Kansas City 11-2. Left-hander Andrew Heaney was record setting. How about and tying an AL record? Struck out nine consecutive Royals at one point in that ballgame. Adoles Garcia belted a Grand Slam, one of three Ranger Round Trippers. Round Rock took the night off. They opened a six-game homestand at Del Diamond tonight. Also from Major League Baseball break up the Tampa Rays. They improved to 10 and 0 on the season. A one nothing win over Boston. They're the first MLB team to start the season with 10 consecutive wins uh, since 1987. The Milwaukee Brewers in the NBA. The league's play-in tournament starts tonight with a pair of ballgames and as they get that cranked up, of course, two nights of basketball to decide the eight and nine, or seven, seven and eight seeds uh, in both uh, conference tonight. It'll be it'll be the uh, Eastern Conference game. We'll have Atlanta and Miami at uh, seven thirty tonight. Minnesota and the Lakers will tip off about uh, ten o'clock, nine o'clock tonight uh, in the other play-in game in the Western Conference.
2: This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com.
0: All right, so there you go. I got uh, baseball. You were calling the game last night for uh, Texas State broadcast team with Brant Freeman, and you were in the building, and people continue to send me pictures who saw me <laughs> at the <laughs> game last night. I guess I was getting some TV time uh, with my friend Travis, and my son was there. It was a good good time, good, uh, good scene, good baseball, and a good night. And... Uh, uh, you know, you and I talked about the pitch clock before the season, and now here we are 30-plus games into the season and about 10 games into the Major League Baseball season. What have been your judgments on what you've seen from the uh, the pitch clock both handled by the pitchers and the, the batters?
1: Well, I think well, I was open-minded, I think, from the get-go. Um, I was also originally a person because I was brought up under the idea that, you know, baseball doesn't have a clock and it's played by innings. and uh, But I, too... I like to play it when coaching. I, I wanted the game to have a pace to it. I wanted the game to keep moving. Um, but what? So I was kind of going as open minded. Show us that at the end that this was going to make a significant difference, um, and it has moved a lot quicker. I mean, I, 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 I look it. It has now from um, the. The pickoff side of it and stuff like that, I'm not a huge fan of number of pickoffs. I think now you're changing the infrastructure as opposed to just the outer structure of the game uh, by doing that. But that's, you know, for people to decide at the end of it. But um, I I like the idea that the, the pitchers and the hitters are starting. Well, they don't have a choice. They're starting to get used to the flow of the game and what that looks like for them. Their pre swings, they're you know getting in the box, out of the box. You know now they're still going to have some issues with it because you built up habits for so long, yeah. E, that you know as a hitter and as a pitcher that you felt like you've had these liberties to be able to do things to you know maybe get a thought in your mind, whatever it is that you've been able to do. And now you can't. Um, and so personally, I think there's. Uh, a mixture of what they've done and what they're doing um, that has helped the game move, you know, speed up a little bit and move a little bit. Uh, I like that perspective of it, um, whether they can, you know, again, I think the whole pickoff thing of, you know, particularly major league baseball, you tell a guy you can only pick off two times, that's changing the game a little bit maybe too much. And in college, hey, we saw the shift last night pay for both teams, and then we saw it go against, you know, Texas State because O'Dowd, the ball he hit. Um, that scored the first two run, or the second or second and third run was off the cap of the bat and it was where the shortstop would have been playing yep. and would have been an out and so and but then you go up there Powell's – you know, smashes the ball back up in the middle. You know, later in the game, and the shortstop, you know, makes a backhand play on uh, behind second base. And so, I just think that you know, the the, I, the shift part of it, I, I think you ought to be able to do what you want to do defensively. That's just my opinion. But they've made that choice, and and I'm not a rules maker because I think if, if people are shifted over, then you ought to have to try to hit the ball the other way. I, but but then again, I get you know the the power side of the well, game, and, and the the O'Dowd single last night was
0: really a nice piece of hitting because he didn't hit it hard. He just hit it where yeah. they weren't and uh, went against the shift and uh, went against his tendency to pull the baseball. And it uh, was a two, big two-out knock, and that's what you want to see a batter do in a run-scoring situation with two outs is just put get the ball in play and uh, not overswing it. it. No doubt did just that. Um, you know, Flores' double in the eighth was a no-doubter. I mean, he ripped that ball uh, down the line. But, yeah, that was a good piece of hitting. Uh, here's what you like so far through the early part of the baseball season at the Major League level. Uh, games are down 30 minutes. I mean uh yeah. stadiums are 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 going to sell beer longer because they're they're down in beer revenue because the games are going so fast. Uh so now they're not shutting it down in the 7th inning, they're shutting it down in the 8th inning so they can sell more of those um those cold beers. Uh but at the same time uh batting averages up about 20 points across major league baseball with the the uh, the, the the elimination of the shifts and uh, runs are up and uh stolen bases are up 35% uh, because which is exactly, you know, give Rob Manfred the, the commissioner credit. A lot of these things weren't popular when they were announced. He said it was over years of, you know, fan research and uh, studying the game and things that fans wanted to see and faster pace of play, more action, more runs scored. And so far through the first part of the baseball season, that has all been in the affirmative. They've they've all come to board. We'll see as it goes. We've had some guys ejected. Uh, we saw David Pierce the other night, the other day on Sunday, get kicked out of a game because you know, his player was being tended to by a trainer, and the umpire is like, hey, get in the box. It's like, hey, hey, umpire, why don't you pay attention? What's going on on the ball field? But uh, David got kicked out for arguing about that. Uh, but either way, uh, there's going to be some goods and bads about it. But uh, so far, I think so good for the game of baseball. Hey, let's dive into your coach's corner at 7.15 every morning in this spot ahead of 7.15. Uh, it's brought to you by Audiovisual Consultations.
2: Audiovisual visual consultations and Tom McKay, the really smart guys who never make you feel stupid.
0: All right, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's baseball season, NBA playoffs are here. But uh, I was talking to somebody last night while I was watching a game, and they, you know, somebody said, what's new in the NFL? And I was like, well, not a lot, because this happens every year, Ty, in the National Football League, that there, there's a flurry of activity uh, through March as free agency opens, right? And then it, when you get here into April, It gets really quiet on the news front in the NFL because all 32 teams are building their draft boards. They're doing their final NFL draft preparation, which is 16 days away. You know, two weeks from Thursday night, uh, the teams will be on the clock. And they also do their official visits, right? Each team gets 30. They can bring 30 prospects to their their campus, essentially, to their their, uh, facility and do sit-down interviews. And so, you know. All 30 teams, 32 teams are, are busy doing that. They want to get face-to-face with these guys. They could use draft picks on. And, of course, they compile information for the long haul, too. I always talk about this with the the, the draft. You know, you get one, you get seven or, seven or eight draft picks. And you're not going to be able to draft all these guys. But guess what? These guys are also going to be free agents at some point. You may want to trade for some of these guys down the road. So, you know, that behooves you to get to know these players. And uh, not just for this draft. You may or may not have a chance to get them but you may want to look at them down the road and that's uh, all 32 teams are doing the deep dive on these players and these prospects. Uh, so that's why it's kind of quiet on the news front. We had the Cliff Kingsbury story, which is interesting. Cliff going to take a gig with USC uh, on the college level. We've also got, uh, you know, Odell Beckham finally landing with a deal with the Baltimore Ravens, that story yesterday. Well, we talked yesterday to Mike Renner in our nine o'clock hours, in our final hour, Mike Renner is the lead draft analyst for pro football focus. And uh, we'll, piece together some of the key points, because I think Mike does a great job uh, getting you ready. And I asked him about Bryce Young. Uh, Bryce Young is, of course, the, the top-rated quarterback. Uh, there's a chance the Houston Texans could draft Bryce Young. Uh, but there's also more and more growing sentiment that the Carolina Panthers owner and front office and top brass are pushing for Bryce Young. That Bryce Young may not be available for the Houston Texans at pick number two. Uh, because the Carolina Panthers may go with the Alabama quarterback. Here's Mike Renner on why he thinks Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this class.
2: I have Bryce Young as the top quarterback in this class, and by you know some margin. Like I think if you are drafting one, that's the guy you want. I think he's just special. His playmaking ability is you know really unlike any of the prospects we've seen in recent years in terms of how he can create on his own. Um, so he's one. Uh, I, I'd put him kind of in his own chair. Like I said, that's the guy you want in this class. Then they, all the other ones kind of have their issues in some way, shape, or form, their worries, their concerns. Um, but I don't think all are very much worthy of the high-end pick because they all have high-end tools and high-end traits. And, like, you see it on tape at times. Um, so, Stroud, I think is going to be the number one overall pick. Like, I, I I heard what Josh McCown said at his Ohio State Pro Day. Like, I, I don't think he would say, hey, we'll do it when you get to Carolina without saying, <laughs> without knowing that that's going to be the pick. But uh, we'll see what happens, you know, come late April.
0: That's interesting. Mike Renner was at the Pro Day uh, in Columbus and heard at, at some point along the way, uh, Frank Reich, the coach, said to, to C.J. Stroud, well, we'll work on that when you get to Carolina, indicating that we're going to pick you. Uh, now, that may have changed since the Pro Day. Uh, I've also heard some people say that, well, they're, they're going to take C.J. Stroud because that's who the head coach wants. Uh, Frank Reich, you hire a coach, he gets to pick his quarterback. But the owner is on Bryce Young, and you just heard Mike Renner say he thinks it's he's the clear number one. Uh, but there's some who are saying, well, maybe they're trying to coax Houston into a trade. Um, but I'll say to those that, that maybe Houston wants Bryce Young so they would give up a pick. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. I think that's fair. But it's also true to say the Carolina didn't trade up to one and give up all that they did to not get the quarterback they want. They're going to take their quarterback. Now, if they know that Houston's going to take Bryce Young and they want C.J. Stroud, you could see them flipping for a draft pick or two uh, down the line to, to make that swap uh, and see what you could get out of Houston because they do covet Bryce Young, and you just heard the reasons why. Uh, that that development, there's still two weeks, 16 days to the draft Be interesting to see how this plays out, but it's why the Texans shouldn't have screwed up Week 18. (laughs) God dang, just so dumb, just so dumb. I mean, I still can't believe it. So we also have uh, Bijan Robinson, and uh, we we mentioned yesterday uh, he is the talk of the NFL right now. He really is. I mean, as far as outside of the quarterbacks, there's not a more talked about prospect than Bijan, and it's not just here in Austin, Texas, where he played college football. It's across the country. Every team salivating. Man, what about if our team took Bijan because he is that good. Uh, but Mike Renner yesterday with us talked about the fact that Bijan could be available in his mind. It's it's conceivable that he's available for the Dallas Cowboys at pick 26. I don't think he's getting that far, but here's Mike Renner's opinion on why it may be possible and uh, should the Cowboys take him there with their first-round pick.
2: I think there is a chance. I think front offices are just getting more on board with kind of the thinking behind why you pass on running backs in the first round. It's not because Bijan isn't an awesome player it's because there's a lot of awesome players that are running back. It's because the difference between Bijan and say Zach Charbonnet who you will be able to get two rounds later probably in this draft isn't a ton. And in the NFL nowadays, you also just don't want to be running the football, right? You you want to be doing everything you can. You look at the AFC uh, or even the NFC. You want to be doing everything you can. Unless you have like a mobile quarterback, you want to be doing everything you can to give your quarterback weapons in the passing game. And so the more you're dictating and putting resources into running back, the more it's just going to change calculus and make you run the football more, which just truthfully isn't winning around the NFL, unless again, you have a running quarterback who can really take your offense to that next level with the option game. So I think that's the thinking, And I think he could fall to that point in the draft because of that. And because it is a super deep running back class, because there are options later on Um, for the Cowboys and how much they run and what they want to do offensively. I do think at that point, It definitely makes sense for them to pull the trigger on a
0: talent like Bichon. Interesting, Uh, and that's that's a bigger topic because the Cowboys, if you're listening to Mike McCarthy and their plan, they want to get back to running the ball, right? They want to be a power running team. But you just heard Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, saying, "Well, the the trend is going the other way. That if you and maybe the Cowboys just don't have that quarterback in Dak Prescott. But if you have a quarterback, and you think of the way Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs run their offense, it's all out of the shotgun." For the most part, there's a lot of, I mean, the run game is, I don't want to say an afterthought, but it's just a part of what they do. The base is Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. Josh Allen in Buffalo is the same way. Joe Burrow uh, in Cincinnati. They'll, they'll run the ball with Joe Mixon, but really it's all built around Joe Burrow and his ability to, to throw to weapons, which is the trend of the league. Now, he mentioned if you have a running quarterback, and Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia would be the example that you know they run the ball, but a lot of it is based on Shotgun zone read RPO Jalen Hurts ability to run. Um, it's it's interesting to me that the Cowboys are going the other direction. At least if you listen to what Mike McCarthy is saying now that he's back in control of the offense, he's actually said he said it at the NFL scouting combine. You know what was the different disagreement with Kellen Moore and the way he ran the offense? Well, he liked to light up the scoreboard. I want to run the damn ball because Kellen Moore was was running the offense a lot like you're seeing the trend in the league. Uh, Cowboys apparently are zagging while the other rest of the league zigging, uh, if they if that makes sense. But um, what's your what's your thought on the, the 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 way of the NFL today?
1: Well, I would say um, going back to Bijan first, and, and I'd be curious to somebody that knows the game of football a lot better than I do um, from a professional level. You know, when when you heard him talk, Jeremy talk about the idea that you know run the football with Bijan. Well. Yes, but what Bijan does is he creates different matchups for your defense because he can catch the ball. Yes. So, to me, he's a little bit more multifaceted and a little bit different than what a normal running back coming out to be because he can stretch you out and get you into – he can get you into space because there's so many different ways to get the ball to him. So, if you get him into space by throwing a ball and doing different things, um, I think it's a little bit more creative – For him than what it would be just a guy we're going to turn around hand the ball off and expect you know 15 20 carries a game out of to carry the load and run in between the tackles and so i do think he's a little bit different in that perspective um and whether the, the Cowboys want to go run the football more, sometimes it's like anything It's like anything else in sports. If you don't do something to the level that you thought you should have done it the year before, you overreact more times than not. Or say you're going to overreact and say, okay, well, we're not going to spread it out and run and throw as much. Now we're going to go back and run the football. And then all of a sudden you, you get into that situation and you're like, well, now we've got to go back and you know throw the ball more or whatever it may be. And so uh, – but I – Look, I mean, I, if you're the head coach, this is one thing that was a little confusing for me about McCarthy a little bit, and I'm not saying I don't think he's a good coach. I think he is, but uh, if you're if you're the head coach, you're in those meetings. If you don't like the idea that we're you're throwing the ball so much, I mean, it's your choice. You're you're the you're it, right? right. You're at the end of the line. I mean, that's your decision. So if he at the end of it, looking back. Thought, well, maybe we should. That's, you know, maybe that's a, a different story well, about think, trying to correct.
0: Yeah, we'll get a timeout and come back as we'll pick this up. Mike Runner from Pro Football Focus. He had some interesting thoughts on Roshan Johnson. He thinks Rojo could go sooner. Than most are mocking him right now. The uh, running back behind Bijan Robinson. Also, his thoughts on DeMarvion on Overshone, more Ojimo, and Keandre Coburn, uh, other lifetime Longhorns likely to be drafted uh, in uh, the draft in two weeks. Uh, but on the Bijan thing, you're right. He can flank out and be a receiver. You can use him as more of a, and this is the debate going on in the NFL, it's why he's the most talked about player outside of the quarterbacks because he's more, you know, he is Christian McCaffrey, right? He's the yep. he's the guy that can you can put out Alvin Kamara of the Saints in his heyday, where he can go out and run routes. I mean, you get him lined up on a linebacker, that's a matchup problem, and you're throwing the ball, but you're throwing it to an ultimate weapon like Bijan. Uh, that is the debate. So, you know, teams with picks that start around 9, 10, 11, through the, through the middle of the first round are all asking that question. At what point is he too good? Because Daniel Jeremiah who were, he was the lead draft analyst for the NFL Network. He put out his top ten prospects period yesterday, uh, Ty, you know, two weeks to the draft. The top ten players, regardless of position, Bijan Robinson is three. Uh, third best player in the draft, according to Daniel Jeremiah, has been doing this a long time. He's got Bryce Young at one, Will Anderson of Alabama two, Bijan third best player in the draft. So every team on the board is going to look at that. You get into the middle teens, you're saying, what are we doing? Their third best player on our board is still available. I know he's a running back, we're crazy if we don't uh, you know, bring him in. He's just too talented, he, and talent wins in
1: the, in really any sport. It's a player's league. Yeah, no question about it, but you, he needs to f- fall in a place where, I get, well, I would assume that somebody that goes out and, and reaches out and takes Bijan, if he's ranked that high, which he should be, it's going to come from a creative, offensive-minded person. Yeah, right. Because well, you're gonna have to, if you're gonna utilize every... is
0: that Mike McCarthy? I don't know about that. Uh, well, yeah. let's pick it up on the other side yep. because the Cowboys could be in that mix or he's gone long gone before 26. And where the Cowboys go, uh, we'll dive back into that. Cowboys did have Jackson Smith and Jigba. The Ohio State receiver in for a visit. As far as those uh, official visits, yesterday, uh, Cowboys still could be looking for a wide receiver, even though they traded for Brandon Cooks from the Texans. Uh, so we'll dive into back into that. Also, uh, Mike Renner's thoughts on the other Longhorns. Your thoughts on Longhorn baseball? They pick up a big win last night. Longhorns are twenty and three in their last twenty three games now, and they'll play again tonight. We'll preview it coming up. Beanie on the horn. It's Bucky and Aaron. Ty playing the uh, appropriate tunes for National Pet Day. You know, there are 85 million dogs in America. 85 million pet dogs. That's a lot. That's a big number. 60 million cats, it says here.
1: How many doodles? I
0: don't know. But uh, I saw a new one the other day. You know, people now take their pets everywhere. It's ridiculous. You know, you used to just have a dog and the dog would stay at home. You'd go places. Now the dog goes everywhere. I was getting my hair cut. Guy shows up with his dog. To get his hair cut. I'm like, why are you bringing your dog while you're getting your hair cut? What's a dog going to do? Hang out? I mean, just... come on, man. Well, they they, they wouldn't let him bring the dog in to where they get do, do
1: haircuts. So did you set him outside? I don't know. It's They've... kind of a chick move, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, Leave just your, dog your dog at salon. home. Go get your
0: hair cut. Come back home. Your dog will still be there. But I love pets. I like animals a lot. But I think they are they don't have
1: to go to the haircut place. That's probably... Not there. He well, probably the pet wasn't really super excited about going to the no. barber shop either. To be honest, he laying in his bed.
0: Yeah, what happened to scratching the park? Himself. What happened to the park? Okay, National Pet Day today. We're talking football as well and baseball. Can I give props to uh, Texas State? What a scene last night. I know you're proud of that. You're not the the skipper there anymore, but you helped build that facility. And 3,500 people last night jammed in. I mentioned off the top of the show. uh It was really cool to see. Because uh, the softball field is right next to the baseball field, and where well, there were students hanging over the. They were they they let them into the softball complex, and they were they climbed up on the bleacher so they could see over the left field foul pole and look down into the game, and they put the game on the big screen over there on the softball field. That was really cool. That t- it tells you there's a passion for the game and that team. Now the Longhorns won the game five to two, but you have to appreciate seeing that from the uh, the students and the uh, Texas State fan base.
1: Yeah, obviously the, the first time we that we played was 2009. And all agreed to come down there and open the stadium for us it's so when that stadium first was built. Now, we didn't have the caboose, we didn't have a lot of other things with it. And we had a, you walked over from the locker rooms. And so we walked over, which was a, a, still a ritual at Texas State. And you would walk over as a team, and there were people tailgating everywhere. And it seemed like there to us at that time, there was 5,000 people there that night. There wasn't, there was 33, I think, or 3,200 that night of opening night for it. And then it, you know, he would, Augie agreed to come back after uh, maybe a couple of years of not coming. They agreed to come back and then Coach Pierce has extended it. And they've gone to the series thing, which I think is really fun for the play back to back games. Now, this year it's Monday, Tuesday. Last year it was Tuesday, Wednesday. But last night to look out there to see where. From a Texas State perspective, to see where the stadium has grown, the fan base has continued to grow from where we had zero season tickets when I got there in 2000. Zero. Zero. (laughs) Zero. Not one. We had zero. And to get out and really work hard in the community to get people involved to come to the games. And now over time, you know, I think in 2010 or 11 – we had somewhere around a thousand season tickets to see it start to grow and, and do some things and then to look up last night, they had to change the ground rules because there were students up standing above the left field there's a, an area you can see through the fence yeah well, it's at netting right there. And so they were talking about, well, if it hits a fan or, hit, you know, there is a net in between them. So you could see the umpires trying to explain to both coaches, you know, how they were going to play it. And then to look back up into the softball area and there were people just standing over the railing looking over. And so and a lot of students. Right, it's, and that's the fun part—is that the engagement of the students, and uh, we always had great crowds. Obviously, when Texas would come, and then last night was certainly uh, one of the larger ones. And and uh, the excitement of of how Coach Trout and them have done off of last year, and then you know the excitement of everywhere Texas goes, there's always going to be a good crowd. Right? I mean, I, yeah. you can say this—you you, you know—between Texas and Texas A&M, if they were playing dominoes somewhere, there's going to be people there watching, and you know, and being a part of it and supporting it. But um, last night was. Crazy crazy. crazy just how many people there and there was a good
0: contingent of Longhorn fans no doubt about it but uh, I was I was really blown away by the the student interest and the students coming to that game to come uh, be a part of that which was a lot of fun I'd also say that uh, it was a record-setting crowd Uh, they made the announcement during the game who was your former player that donated a million dollars?
1: Todd Sibley. How
0: about that? I mean he's a million dollar gift and it looked like he could still play
1: yeah, he well, he's still in really good shape, and Sib is, um, and actually, Sib used to work with Casey Development, who I work with now uh, in San Antonio. Then he's gone off to work with another group now. But but Sib was, and his family were were really, you know, loved the baseball side of it. They, his mom and dad still go to every game at home. Um, they live out in uh, just south of San, of, uh, San Marcos, and so in Kissing Tree, and. So they're heavily involved. But what Sib is doing is he's done really well in his professional life, but he loved that program, loves that program, and wants it to continue to grow. And somebody's got to initiate that, right, when you're trying to give and trying to create, you know, what they're trying to do. The renovations are $8 million. They showed what the renovations are going to look like on TV and then on social media last night, and they're beautiful. I mean, I every time I look at it, I mean, it's a special place, and always be a, a special place, rightfully so for me, after being there for 20 years. But to look at that last night, and I'd already seen what they were going to do before is you, really good. Tyler. Yeah, he played for me in 2009 10 11 and 12 and so uh then stayed on the staff for a year after that trying to figure out what he was going to do while he's finishing graduate work and um uh, but a really smart young person but really driven always has been as a player was incredibly driven and there were a lot of people that worked hard that, in that baseball program but he and Goldie were two of the guys that you know were really really and, and actually Casey Kalinowski the same way they were really efficient smart workers and loved the process of practice and, and then what that meant and trying to prepare for games. And so, yeah, was a, a second baseman, left fielder, a leadoff hitter. I think he was our leadoff hitter for four years at Texas State.
0: Tyler Sibley with a million-dollar gift at Texas State. They'll be at the dish tonight. It was cool to see him last night down in San Marvellous. That was a good night. And I also saw my, they did a flyover for my late friend Paul Borson. We worked at Brown yeah. Distributing for 40 years. He passed away last summer, and they had a – you know, Bud Light and the, 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 I guess the airport there in San Marcos, they did a flyover with some old planes and then they, while they were singing the national anthem. Yeah. And it was an honor of my friend Paul, which was really awesome uh, to, to to be there for that last night. Uh, all right, so that's some baseball. We're also talking football. I wanted to play this real quick before the timeout because we ran, ran a little long in our coach's corner. But we had Mike Renner on the show yesterday. He's the lead draft analyst at Pro Football Focus, that great website and all the analytics they do. And uh, he, you heard him talk about Bryce Young and Bijan Robinson. But I asked him about Roshon Johnson, and I thought this was really interesting that uh, you know, Mike Renner really likes Roshon Johnson and thinks that uh, he could go and be drafted higher than a lot of people think. Here's uh, Mike Renner's opinion of Rojo.
2: Yeah, he's got a skill set that I, I think is going to go a lot higher than maybe the general public realizes at this point because it, it's a small running back class. So as much as it's a good running back class, I think there's only a handful of guys who will even get drafted who are over 220 pounds and Johnson's one of them. And Johnson's the best one, you know, he is the best big back in this class. And as much as, you know, small backs look awesome in college size still matters. Once you get to the NFL and they still get coveted more highly than the little guys. So he's going to be a top 10 running back off the board. I feel pretty confident in that and could even sneak his way into day two um, with just how good he is and how good he was on a limited basis. The scouts don't really care. As we saw when Josh Jacobs went in the first round, they don't really care if you're a bell cow in college. They care if you can be in the pros, and he definitely can be in the pros. So uh, I think Roshan Johnson's a guy who, again, probably going to be a top 100 pick there.
0: Yeah, and you just talked about Tyler Sibley and Paul Goldschmidt and guys like that were you know, alpha workers and efficient in their work process. This is Roshan Johnson, right? Players are going to love him, teams are going to love him when they visit with him and uh, find out what type of you know, character he has, what type of leader he is. Uh, He doesn't, he didn't have a lot of carries in college, right? Because he was the second running back and you just heard him say it. And this is where, if you're Ty Henderson and a Cowboys fan, you know, if the Cowboys at 26 don't get Bijan Robinson and they take like a Steve Avila, right? The really top end guard from TCU also played center. That's probably the most pressing need the Cowboys have right now is interior offensive line in my mind. Uh, if you're moving Tyler Smith to the outside. If you take a guard or something not as sexy in round one, you could get a Roshon Johnson in in round three, potentially. Uh, that's day two. Picks two, rounds two and three are day two. Uh, how about the Cowboys? Ty, how about a compliment to Tony Pollard being Roshon Johnson as a third-round draft pick? I wouldn't mind that at all. I think that would be a nice thunder and lightning one-two punch right there. Yeah, I mean, Bijan would be nice, but at the same time, if you get the – a similar production out of two backs in, in Pollard, who you franchise tagged, and then Roshan Johnson. Then maybe in the middle of the second round, you take a corner, you take a tight end, uh, take a different position. Uh, that'd be pretty good get because I do think the. I mean, you agree with me on that tie that the most pressing need the Cowboys have on their roster right now is middle of the interior line, right? The the offense. I mean, Zach Martin's a Hall of Famer. So you don't worry about him, but center guard you could upgrade. Center guard and on the defense side of the ball, interior as well. Yeah. Yeah, both interior lines, and uh, that's not as sexy as a running back or a receiver. Same time, you know, lines of scrimmage still win football games, no matter what the style of play is. All right, we'll come back. We'll pick this up. Ty will lead us through the Hot or Not topics, but uh, Longhorn's going to have a couple of running backs drafted on day one and then into day two coming up uh, here in uh, about 16 days, and then you know, the second round will be 17 days from now. Uh, coming back with Hot or Not here on b yeah. What's Hot? and what's not
2: what's hot what's not is brought to you by texas orthopedics the largest independent orthopedic practice in central texas visit us at txortho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment
0: hot knots uh every morning just before eight o'clock ty henderson will lead us through a topic or two we've missed halfway through this show i can tell you what's hot longhorns are hot you've seen a lot of them ty harrington uh, Twenty and three in their last twenty-three ball games, and uh, the losses in there are all one-run losses. I mean, they lost to K-State six to five in a in a tough one, and they lost in the walk-off game to Oklahoma State uh, in this twenty-three-game stretch. They lost uh, the eleven-inning game to Cal State Fullerton that you said could have could have easily gone either way. Uh, they also lost four to one to Oklahoma State, so uh, they they're they're winning a lot of ball games, and they're also uh, even the losses are, are tough and tight, and that tells you they're. They're doing a lot of things well in all three phases of the baseball game.
1: I think that the, a couple of things, if you start on the pitching side of it, you start really digging into those numbers and where their team ERA is and what their bullpen ERA is, and I think it's also helped them. I think they've got a, a lot of confidence with Morehouse now as he's growing into that role as a, as their closer. Um, obviously, you know, some people say, well, he didn't th- throw good in that – so, Was a Sunday game at Oklahoma State. Well, I mean, okay, but he's had a lot of moments so far getting used to a new role for him, going from starter to closer. And look, it's it's different. Your heart rate's different when you know you're starting. You know you're out there for a long time, as opposed to walking out there for those final three outs, which is the toughest three outs in in baseball to get right, and particularly that last one. And he, I think he's, I think he's doing a good job of transitioning into that and and i will say this in defense of even the where they are right now the saturday loss to case day i don't know that i have seen and i would you could probably go ask the texas uh people the same thing and meaning their staff i don't know that with the neighbors tyson neighbors what he went out there and did for 9 outs pitching wise was absolutely almost absurd with a baseball meaning his fastball at 95 his break, two different breakers he threw that day and a changeup to go on top of it he was the best closer that i've seen so far go into a game and face texas's lineup and face anybody's lineup on that saturday game with k-state yeah that's uh
0: one of the three losses they've had in their last 23 they have been hot the hottest team in major league baseball the tampa rays they're 10 and zero. we mentioned first time since 1987 uh, milwaukee Brewers started a regular season 10 and zero. the rays have done it and as we said they've outscored their opponent 78 to 18 or 76 to 18 they're not just beating teams. They're beating teams down. Uh, they are hot for sure. Also hot or not, T.Y., I don't know if you know this, but uh, uh, you, you're you're too old for this. Remember Eddie Van Halen, the Hot for Teacher video oh, yeah. back in the day?
1: Oh, yeah. Eddie I Van that Halen. Video.
0: Yeah, remember that video? That guitar, Eddie Van Halen's Hot for Teacher guitar, just auctioned off for $3 bucks. Million. $3 million. Uh-huh. Hey, Ty, have you seen the uh, latest episode of Succession? My My girlfriend was watching it and i was in and out of a nap so i had to and then i woke up and it was the end of it so i
2: had to exit the room and i'm planning on watching it today yeah
0: that's it's one of these things you can't talk about these shows anymore Ty, because apparently there was a big plot twist that i haven't seen it yet but uh, people like to binge these things and if you say anything on the radio you get yelled at cuz you spoiled <laughs> the thing i will just say this i'm going to i'm going to watch that episode at some point this week uh, i won't say anything but apparently it was a big momentum it's a year four the final season of succession on hbo I'm also watching, I don't know if you know this, there's a show on HBO that's it's in its second season called Perry Mason. It's a takeoff of the old Perry Mason, remember oh, yeah. Perry? But, oh, it's yeah. a, but it's a timepiece. It's set in the 40s um, in Los Angeles. And I didn't know this. It, it's, it's produced by Robert Downey Jr. And I will say, I saw the first season and I'm watching the second season. It's really good. It's really well done. If you're looking for kind of a cool, off-the-nose, and it's old school, man. It's old school. It's uh, But it's pretty good. Uh, I'm enjoying the uh, second season of Perry Mason on HBO. So that's a that's a recommendation, Ty. Take that in mind. There he never
1: lost. That's right. When I watched it, he never lost the case, did he? But
0: but, but if you watch season one, it kind of shows how Perry Mason became Perry Mason. It's, it's the, from the beginning. It's like ahead of when you saw him on television when you were growing up. Right. Hey, uh, Ty, what did you have for us on Hot or Not, my friend? Uh, we saw the news yesterday that Odell Beckham has signed with the Baltimore Ravens on a one-year deal. And... Him and Lamar Jackson were spotted clubbing in Miami together. So going, going to the club. Bonding. Uh, you know this what? If me. I if I said I had an even uh, idea of what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson, I don't. I don't. I Ask me tomorrow. I'll have a different opinion. I don't know. Uh, I think he's going to be somewhere else. I mean, you don't pen an open letter to your fan base saying goodbye and then come back. I mean, I guess he could. But, uh, yeah, that thing is odd. And, yes, Odell Beckham Jr. now a Raven. Probably overpaid for him, but if that's a way of making amends with the quarterback and now they're clubbing in Miami, then maybe, maybe. That thing is completely up in the air at this point in my mind. We'll come back, pick it up, reset the headlines. Rodney Terry, Longhorns basketball coach. Roster movement continues and a big one yesterday. We'll get you details on that back into the baseball as well. And Longhorns spring football into its final week, spring game Saturday. We'll preview coming up.